1: This is a podcast from Minute Media.
2: This is a CW Spiral, a podcast run by two Barchies and a Bughead. We're your hosts Sabrina Reed,
3: Michael Patterson, and Reed Gowden.
2: Bring you history about the network, the latest news, and in-depth spoiler-filled discussions of some of our favorite shows on the CW. Okay, so this week we're doing reboots and spin-offs. And I know everyone is basically fatigued. When it comes to reboots and spin-offs, but that seems to be the CW's bread and butter. Before we hop into that, of course, we have to talk about more casting news, another thing that we're burnt out on, but (laughs) (laughs) here we go. So Gotham Knights now has their Stephanie Brown. She's going to be played by Anna Lore. Uh, Description is that she's sarcastic and she's intelligent. She's a whiz at brain teasers and puzzles, and she's also an experienced coder, but She's really, really good at hiding her imperfect home life, which has me wondering, you know, what's going on in the household? Like which parent is acting a fool? Like what is happening to Miss Stephanie?
3: That's a very exciting uh, addition to the show. And we keep saying that with every other new addition that comes. Um, I remember when Gotham Nights was announced, Stephanie Brown was potentially one of the fan favorite options that uh, people would have liked to have seen. And Then there were rumours that she would appear, rumours that she wouldn't. And the fact that she's finally shown up now, it it, it feels inevitable, but it also feels very exciting because that character is known as Spoiler in DC Comics. And I believe she also at one point briefly became the fourth Robin, but was also the fourth Batgirl. But Spoiler is her main alias, and she's one of the most popular young heroes in DC Comics. And we know Gotham Knights has kind of been doing both the whole original character route and the whole comic book character route so the fact that we've now got another beloved DC character I think is a great setup for the show particularly because I feel like uh, we need the casting announcements now like how, how big is this cast going to be so I feel like since we're getting to the end of that that was a good one to go towards stephanie's a great character and interesting to your point sabrina about her home life if it's anything like the comic books she is the daughter of the villain clue master so i believe maybe she might have uh, daddy issues um and we'll see how that goes i know the character recently appeared in batwoman but we're not, that's not canon We're not doing that Gotham Knights is doing It's own thing But as far as Casting editions goes That's one of the ones I'm most excited about I'm not familiar with Anna Lore But I am very familiar With the character So I'm looking forward To seeing what kind of Role she plays in the show Isn't there a Batman villain Called the Puzzler? I believe That's a good question I believe there was Yes I'm not sure if it's I don't think it's the same As the Clue Master though Batman Am I thinking of, I thinking of The Riddler? There is the Riddler But I me like the puzzler. I'm pretty sure. Was it the 60s Batman? <laughs> Someone had the puzzler. I'm, this sounds to, like p- <laughs> like, I'm know, just like a deep cut. I'm just like, what? I saw That's that she it.
1: likes puzzles and I'm like, is puzzler a thing or am I mixing everything up? I, nope. As we all know, I'm out of my depth here, but I, you know, I try to. I try to keep up.
3: <laughs> well, I can I'm happy to tell you you're not wrong. The Puzzler was a one and done villain in the nineteen sixty-six Batman TV series. So yes, he's not quite famous in terms of Riddler standards, but yeah, the puzzler was a Batman villain.
1: I, I don't I couldn't even begin to tell you how I know that.
2: <laughs>
1: but Look at you. <laughs>
3: <laughs> that's great.
2: But Michael, you said that you're not familiar with Anna Lore, and I thought I wasn't either. And then um, she's credited as being an all-American. I was like, is that Cassie? Is that homegirl who dragged, like, Layla to the edge of the cliff talking about, I need help? Like, she was about to drive them both off the cliff. She, she didn't need help. Let me not say anything about that part. And she was, Anna Lore was really, I think she's fantastic in that role. She gave creepy and obsessive really well. I'm sure that's not what Stephanie is doing, but, you know, range.
3: <laughs> That's very exciting. I didn't know that, but you know, the CW does like to uh, go with familiar castings. um And I think Stephanie has the potential to be arguably the best character on the show. I know Spoiler is a big fan favourite. So I, I like you said, Range. I think this will be a character that shows off Anna's range because. I think this has the she could she's not going to be the lead based on what we know by the show but I feel like this could be that supporting character that really becomes the fan favorite because that's kind of what spoiler is in the comics everybody loves that character even if even when they're not leading their own stories so I feel like this this could be a real like uh, uh like a platform for this character to shine and it's about time we see her in live action. I know, but I know Batwoman They like, kind of did her origins, but it's about time we kind of see the character really shine in a Batman property. So I'm very excited for that.
2: saying Gotham Knights is gonna be amazing. Um, I'm very excited for that. I feel like we keep saying pilot, but I'm like, it's probably gonna go to order. I'm not even scared about that one. Um, but speaking of more superhero shows, Stargirl season three has their obsidian. Tim Gabriel has been tapped to play Todd Rice. Todd is the um, brother of Jenny, and he's been looking for her, but he might end up getting captured by Mr. Bones in the Helix Institute. Um, he has, uh, Todd has shadow powers, apparently, that he has uh, difficulty controlling. And um, just like in the comics, he will also be a part of the LGBTQ community. That's so good that they're sticking to um, his comics canon. Um, I know nothing about Stargirl, though, so a bit yay, that fandom.
3: That's great news as far as uh, Stargirl goes, because that character was teased in last season. And sometimes when that's, they were all about Jenny, who's Green Lantern's daughter, and that's great. But they were teasing her overall story. And we didn't know if that character was just a season two character, if she'd come back for season three. But it seems like they're sticking with their guns and going to go all in on that story. The uh, the Mr. Bones reveal towards the end of season two, kind of like had just jaw dropped. So I do think we're going in darker territory. So that kind of paves the way for Obsidian to come in with the shadow and the darker powers. I'm quite familiar with the character. I know he was a big uh, a big one in the comics in terms of LGBTQ plus representation, as was the, one of the Green Lanterns as well. So it's nice that they're sticking with that. And just in terms of representation, it's great because Stargirl was one of the shows on the CW that didn't have all of that kind of representation. And a lot of people were like, oh, that's because it was originally a DC Universe show. It's safe from the CW's box sticking." I think it's a fantastic... choice to finally do this because not only does it prove that the cw can still make great tv like dc universe it means they can also sprinkle in that diversity that the network's known for and it's nice to see things like that because stargirl is such like it's more of a simple show it's not as complex as the other ones but like it has all walks of life in it and it should have all that walks of life in it so i'm totally totally all for this decision and to bring in a famous comic book character like that and be loyal to their comic book origins in such an important way i'm so excited to see what the show does because as far as i'm concerned it can't fail at anything so i have complete faith that they'll do this right
2: okay well that's exciting i've always felt like i need to like not like to to actually get onto the star girl train um We'll see i don't know <laughs> <It was crossed. laughs> we'll see um speaking of like a delayed reaction to getting on the the train there is more winchester's news another pilot where i mean it's going we're not really going with it but it's going mm-hmm. um so bianca uh, i believe it's pronounced casual will play millie winchester who is john's mom she is a hard-working woman And she has been worried about her son because he seems to have too much of his father in him, which means that he's going after a dangerous lifestyle and she would rather he not do that. But it's exactly what he's going to do because again, the show is about hunters and demons and everything else supernatural going on with it. So sorry, Miss Nelly, but he's getting in trouble.
1: (laughs) I've seen some rumblings that this particular character takes the prequel- further away from the set canon from the original series. So um, I don't know if it'll alienate the the fans of the original series, but I mean, good for this actress. There's again, keeping it in the CW family because she was on Legacies. So like, love to see it.
3: It is great that they're finally starting to uh, round out that pilot because we did say a couple of weeks ago that it feels like that was the one that was getting the least kind, even though it had most a lot of buzz before Gotham Knights came along, it was the one that had the like, least kind of movement. It felt like it was going nowhere. And every week now we're getting more more news. And it is interesting that this one could take it further away from the canon. I don't know. It's been years since I've watched Supernatural. Um, but I feel like, I hope this character gets their Joe because I feel like anytime there's parents added to a CW show that it, they, they have a shelf life um, because it's always about the younger people. I hope this isn't the case here, but we'll see how it goes. Either way, it's exciting to see things finally happening for the show.
2: It is and excited for them. I don't know if I'm excited for me as a viewer. But again, we'll see. I'm going to stop saying that about the Winchesters. I'm so sorry, you guys. I really (laughs) hope like the Supernatural fandom um, enjoys the show if it gets picked up um, for order. Though I'm assuming that these divergences from canon are going to be a problem for a lot of the hardcore fans, Um, but we'll see. But reboots, spinoffs, they're a huge thing at the CW, regardless, starting with your favorite show, Reed, 90210.
1: Yes, it was the inaugural reboot on the CW that kicked off their reputation as the haven for reboots. Um, 90210 premiered in 2008, which is very early into the network's like, history. Like, that was only, like, what, two years in? Mm -hmm. And they picked a really, for me, it was an interesting pick to reboot Beverly Hills 90210 at that time because it hadn't even been off the air for 10 years. But back then, a decade didn't feel like it does now because we're so entwined in nostalgia that, like, time feels long and short. So back then, I remember thinking, like, wow, that shows really old, but in like hindsight, like it hadn't even been off the air for 10 years, but yeah, it was the first uh, reboot on the CW and some people try to slander zero, but it was a success. It was a hit. It like, it kicked off the, um, the reboot culture, but the first spinoff on the CW technically was the game. Cause it was a spinoff of Girlfriend's. But the first CW series to have a spinoff on the network was the originals. Which seems like they should have had a spinoff sooner. And I know they've tried, but the originals was the first.
2: Which, I mean, when you like sit down and think about it, it's like, why did it take so long? Because I wouldn't have, I don't think anyone would think, yeah, the originals is the thing, the show that kicked off the spinoff legacy. Um, But it doesn't make sense for that franchise though, because the Vampire Diaries is still huge and it's been a while um, in fact it has this hype of of uh, nostalgia factor plus huge fan base that i don't know if a lot of shows still have that weren't like introduced in the 90s or um, the early 2000s
3: yeah it's interesting the vampire diaries has kind of lived on long after it's went off the air and i don't just mean that cuz there is a spin-off currently on the cw that's not what i mean i mean like it's kind of had an afterlife We're really going with the supernatural metaphors here. It's kind of had an afterlife and then it keeps existing in, in like pop pop culture after it's gone. And I feel like the originals may have been part of that because it does feel like it was a long time for the CW to get their spin-offs off the ground. But like, that was a good place to start when you think about it, because looking back at them, the originals kind of lived as its own entity in a similar kind of way to how like Angel lived outside of Buffy, And I'm not sure the network has ever had any kind of success like that before, and I'm not sure they'll ever have any kind of success like that again. In that, uh, yeah, they probably could have done a Smallville spinoff when it was on. Like maybe I mean, we know they've tried many times to do a Supernatural spinoff. The originals worked through the whole backdoor pilot route, and it's quite interesting because I don't. There were so it's, it's been tried so many times before that they never it never worked again until recently. I think. Because around the time, like they were doing Green Arrow and the Canaries, the Black Lightning, p- p- Black Door Pilot, none of those ones were picked up. So the originals tried something there with this whole backdoor pilot uh, route, and it kind it worked for it. Like it was a resounding success. So yeah, it took a while to get there, but it paid off when they did. And here's another fun fact: Did you guys know
1: that the first CW series to get to be rebooted itself was Gossip Girl? because the reboot now is on hbo max
2: it's i did not
1: that, it's crazy that we're old enough to have seen the rebooter <laughs> <laughs> become the rebootee
2: <laughs> it is and i feel like well how many years has gossip girl out air before gossip girl? i don't know before the new gossip girl came on it,
1: ended in, it hasn't been 10 years right because i think it ended in 2012
2: Mm-hmm. yeah so they so you know but what? that is Rats. 10
1: years <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> but but did, it know. came out in 2021 though so like i mean if you can sort of skirt yeah <laughs> um but i guess they were copying the the magic of like the less than 10 year gap of 90210 um and it's been successful i mean i mean people mm-hmm. can say what they want about hbo max's gossip girl but we were all tuning in um and on the edge of our seats we had and our will,
1: opinion, and we will keep tuning in Yes, because it's actually- at least the two of us. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, it's very has I will be here until the wheels fall off, which is probably going to be somewhere in like season four if they get there. But that is just mm-hmm. the nature of television. It is yes. what it is.
1: Speaking of Gossip Girl, they did attempt to spin off Gossip Girl. And I mean, obviously, I don't have the knowledge of every show that they tried to the spin off during that time, but it was really early on in the run of Gossip Girl that they did a backdoor pilot for a, an 80s spin-off of Young Lily and Young Rufus. Brittany Snow was in it. Kristen Ritter from Jessica Jones. It seemed like it could have like gone through. I don't know why they were just like J.K. We don't want to do that anymore.
2: <laughs> I would think perhaps it's the um, doing a period piece or like a nostalgia piece um, in the '80s. At that time, might not have have popped the way that they wanted it to pop because you described it and as like mm, after Lily, though perhaps another character. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I know they did do a like a, an '80s throwback period piece with the carry diaries, which mm-hmm. as you described Sabrina, did did not go well.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. I do I, they have a cult following though, I think. I think there's some Carrie, I don't know what their fan names are, but like I think there's some Carrie Diaries people. This like oh I was gonna say small group that sounds shady. Um but, <laughs> but they're out there. Uh but they're like reboots were successful though, because you have um Dynasty. Charmed, Roswell, New Mexico, Nancy Shoot. 4,400, which might not be successful, but we'll see, In <laughs> Riverdale.
1: It's Reboot Nation right now, and I can't blame them. It's a really good, um, it's a really good, not just like a marketing ploy, but like it's a really good way to attract an audience, I think, because people are inherently interested to be like, oh, they're redoing that show. I'll tune into an episode and then Accidentally the show becomes a hit. <laughs> <laughs> the
3: network does love its reboots though. And I feel like that's kind of become its bread and butter in recent years. I know we always go on about how it used to be the whole teen drama the network, then it became the superhero network. Still kind of is, but like spin-offs and reboots are kind of its thing. And this is a network that we talked about how it's interesting that Gossip Girl now has become a rebooted show, but like this is a network that's like seeked in reboots, reboots and nostalgia. And it's quite interesting now that its own shows are being rebooted by other networks. And even with that, that is not stopping it from continuing to reboot other shows as it goes on. And I feel like this is just the beginning and we'll probably see more in the years ahead.
2: I, I don't know. See, the, the shows are good though. So I feel like I should not complain about them being a part of the reboot problem in Hollywood. I mean, Dynasty is good. It is like, it's the soap opera of television. I don't care what the viewing says. Streaming numbers beat it. Um, uh, Charmed has a very solid fan base of, of supporters. Uh, I know that like the OG fans and the, the, the reboot fans sometimes go a little at it, but that's because the stars also go at it a little bit. Um, Twitter drama is real. Uh, Roswell, New Mexico. You know, I'm not sure how the, Ros- the original Roswell fans feel about the things that they changed in Roswell, New Mexico. I like the show. I think it's good. It's a sleeper hit. Um, yeah. So and what
1: I understand though about Roswell, it's not like a direct reboot of the the original show. It's more of like a they're redoing the book series. They're pulling from that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's still technically a reboot. Like it has the same name. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I would count it. Because um, the next thing characters are the exception to like Liz is Liz now, not Liz Parker. And then Nancy, I mean, we've seen the Nancy, crew, like the Drew crew, they did what they had to do. That's why she has season four.
3: <laughs> Nailed that
2: I don't have feelings on 4400 though.
1: Um, so you do have feelings, but it's probably feelings that we should, you know, respectfully. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I love how you were like, uh, don't lie to the folks. Yeah, I was you like, have
1: feelings. Let's, let's be honest. Here's the <laughs>
2: <laughs> okay, fine. I have feelings. My feelings are that it, it was a good idea. Um, and it has some originality to it. I think they got lost in the weeds of the storytelling. I fell off in the middle of the season. Um, and it was because I think they were trying to tell too many stories at one time, which is what happens when you have a large ensemble cast,
1: I mean, yeah, that's okay. Not all reboots can be bangers. Like, they'll mess up.
2: <laughs> that's true. That's true. Um, God, I feel like I got, I got so called out, but it feels good. Live
1: your truth. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, you're good. That's what we're here for. That's what friends do. Um, but let's see, Riverdale. I mean, we all know how we feel about Riverdale. It's great.
3: Mm-hmm. It's, it's well amazing. established at this point.
2: Yeah, uh, and then to so spin-offs. So the like Michael you you mentioned spinoffs is where like, the Airverse lives. Like, mm-hmm. um, so it's like legacies, Flash. I'm blanking on oh Legends of Tomorrow, Batwoman. Like that's spinoff heaven for the CW. But it's been great that All American Homecoming is a part of that spinoff history. And I love that show. Um, I think everyone knows I love that show. I will love that show even if you know let me not speak that into existence. Let's move on. I love that show.
1: I do too, and I can I tease for later on in the episode. I will be revealing my results of my four episode test, which quickly turned into a six episode test. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I've been waiting for so long. I'm so happy.
1: <laughs> we'll get to it. Stay tuned.
2: Yes. Uh, so, but there are also like other reboots and spinoffs on the way. Um, there's Babylon Five, which all I know is that that will be a sci-fi drama, um, a bit different than what the um, the CW tends to do, because uh, I think we're, like, we're legit in space for longer than a few episodes. I- I'm thinking of The 100, which is a sci-fi drama, but they also crash it in on Earth for a few episodes later. Um, the Lost Boys, which I think vampires? Yes. Um, mm-hmm.
3: I don't know. Yep. I think vampires? So. I, think I think so, vampires. yes. It's based oh. on the 80s movies, I think. Oh, well.
2: Wow. Um, and Powerpuff, um, I guess the one... That everyone is aware of, not everyone wants, um, and has been sitting in limbo.
1: Silence. Powerpuff is moving in silence. Perhaps it's not even moving. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's unclear. I wanted though. I'm like, I'm like in the minority, like I'm the five people that's interested in, in what they would do.
1: But just think about how iconic if they did end up green lighting it, it goes for a season and gets canceled. Instant cult classic. I feel like that's what they should aim for
3: (laughs) and live forever. (laughs) one and done. Just do it.
2: Oh god, it was already off the wall. Though they'll have to like tame it down because it was. I I think they
1: should keep it go off the walls so that in ten years we're all like, wait, the Powerpuff reboot was actually it slapped.
3: (laughs) (laughs) I tell you, go for the whole so bad it's good uh, approach. I mean Batman at Robin for example was a domestic flop but like we're still talking about it 23 years later or how many years I'm older than I think uh <laughs> so many years later because it killed the Batman franchise and you sit down and watch it it's a bad movie but it's so good because it's bad I feel like Powerpuff has that approach so I feel like they should definitely go for it It'd be unforgettable even if it's for all the wrong reasons yeah
2: and um Batman
3: and Robin was good I'm what nobody says it Come was around. supposed to be the way that it
2: was but like it was like it's not serious that wasn't the point
3: <laughs> exactly uh cat classic
2: yes yes um okay more spinoffs justice you i like i want that one to get out of development and get a pilot order i think if i'm correct the cw doesn't actually have a pilot season it's one of the networks that does pilots year-round so i am hoping that sometime not i guess not soon because they they got to promote the other pilots but um Towards the fall, we'd get some news about what they're gonna do with Justice
3: U. Yeah, I feel like all the things were kind of in place for that since it's a direct spin-off. We haven't had one of them since like what Le- Batwoman um, or even Legends of Tomorrow, because Batwoman had didn't have established characters. I feel like everything's in place for that. So if we should we won't hear as much early on, they they can probably quietly develop that one because it's led by an Arrowverse veteran and David Ramsey, and we know his story quite well. So I'm not surprised we haven't heard anything yet and I'm okay to leave it for a little while, but I would love to see it go ahead because feel like the Arrowverse is in need of a bit of a reboot and that kind that show could be kind of the one that does it.
2: And it's another college drama.
3: So like, um,
2: if we do love that, because we need to get out of high school at at the CW. I mean, it's great that they're the teen and young adult network, but they have had way too many high school dramas over the years. Um, And then of course, Walker independence, that little pilot that seems to be catching our attention the most outside of Gotham Knights I'm over here rooting for it because Kat's going to be the lead
3: yeah definitely I feel like it gets more and more interesting as the weeks go on I know I know like we've been doing this for a couple of weeks now and every time our opinion kind of changes on it with each casting announcement and now with Kat at the lead of it I'm I'm very intrigued by it I'm not quite at the excited stage yet but I feel like we will get there um and I'm looking forward to seeing what what it gives us, because I really don't know what to expect from it. So that's enough to make me want to watch it and hopefully champion it.
2: For sure, for sure. And then there's the Winchesters, which they are here. That's we know, all of yeah,
3: <laughs> They're doing something.
2: Yeah, and, and that's that's what's great, is that we're doing something. Uh, but the what we want, though, can I just say that Katie King? deserves justice. She deserves better. I want her to be rebooted. I don't know if Lucy Hale should give, like, should trust them again, but I want Katie no. to be rebooted.
1: Yeah. She didn't get a fair shot. I didn't, I thought it was a really good show. I don't know. I, I think a lot of people said like, Oh, it wasn't good. And I'm like, I would, I don't know what show were you watching? Cause it was cute. It was fine. It was the complete antithesis to Riverdale, even though it was a spinoff, like it was very light. Mm-hmm. And happy ish, even though it got kind of like deeper storylines there. But I don't think they gave it enough of a chance at all.
2: No.
3: I feel like it deserved far better. And you're right, it was nothing like Riverdale. It wasn't one of those like strangely like self aware, indulgent, dark, whatever Riverdale is. I can't even sum it up. But it felt like it, uh, Katie Keene felt like kind of belonged to a different era. Like maybe you would have seen those kind of shows since eight, nine years ago, and maybe it would have performed better then maybe that would have helped it helped it get past its first season. It just felt like it deserved more than what they got. And even even in today's day and age, based on the ratings it got, it wasn't that bad. It definitely deserved a second chance.
2: For sure. I think the issue was that, I believe some people that it was like Candy Floss. Right? And she's, mm. she's pretty. She's pink. We're in New York City. We're, like, we're a struggling young adult trying to find, uh, trying to get the position we want. And I was like, what is wrong with that? What is wrong with, um, uh, girl in new york trying to make it and her friends who are trying to make it too and also ridiculousness involving landlords and um and terrible bosses and fancy princes and what was the, who was that designer oh and inappropriate designers who you also have feelings for but who also needs to stay away from you
3: mm-hmm. hard in entertainment, folks <laughs> <Yes>.
2: <laughs> uh this might be a controversial pick though um so i feel like we should like Batten down the hatches. Be prepared. Mm-hmm. Um, but we are a team. Reboot One Tree Hill. We are.
1: I have a very maybe unpopular opinion about this one. Mm-hmm. I... Hmm, okay, how do I put this? I don't want to do like a... I don't want... I don't think they should traditionally reboot this. What I in my head envision is like, and just like that, the Sex in the City revival. But it's just... Brooke... Peyton and Haley. I'm yeah. personally not super interested <laughs> in seeing what the guys are up to. Like, I don't want any of them to have died or like broken up. Like, they can all stay happy. I don't think that needs to be the opening like it was for in Just Like That. Spoiler: I'm sorry if nobody watched hasn't watched that yet, but I'm sure you've seen headlines that somebody in the Sex in the City universe dies. I think it would be just so interesting to do like a limited series about the three of them. Like they're doing this podcast now, the actresses and they're the way they speak about their characters in the show. They we know the history there. It wasn't great for them filming that show. And I think beyond this podcast, a really good way to reclaim the legacy of their show that they put their blood, sweat and tears into is to honor these characters. I think they could go even like the route of like Gilmore Girls do like a four episode miniseries with longer episodes and just like, I don't know. I like, I really just want to see those girls again. I don't, I don't, I think it would be a mistake to bring back every character for fan service because I mean, they could bring back characters, but I think it would just feel unnatural. I think the most interesting story there would be seeing Brooke, Peyton and Haley back together again. Did I make a good case for that?
2: I think you did. Cause <laughs> yes. I immediately started thinking about like, what if they had to come back? The town like if they left for whatever reason because we don't really know what, ta- what the time jump would be but uh for like some type of reunion with the cheerleaders or something and it's just them and like we're helping some young girls who are having some issues and we're being like there's nostalgia to it they're like leaders maybe not of the community if they're not in one tree hill but those girls look up to them and they're just not living their glory days but talking about what it is like i'm grown i got children mm-hmm. but also we're back trying to help these girls in these uniforms begin that that um the world is ending because so and so doesn't like them or because we have um mm-hmm. family drama at home it could just be real nice and feel good but also a little soapy depending on what they decide, like how they explain why the boys didn't come with them
1: yeah i don't want to see them like move back to tree hill i think realistically they all i don't remember how the series ended or what Brooke and Haley were doing with their lives at that point. I don't remember, but I don't want to see them like move back to tree Hill. I think the best way I'm talking about, like like I'm a producer on the show and I'm pitching it. (laughs) I think they would just need to like reunite in tree Hill after going their separate ways and like doing something in town. I don't want to see the babies. I don't want to see the kids. I really don't care what they're up to. I don't want to see like a reboot about the kids. I want to see those three women reuniting in their hometown for a purpose that makes sense and that can drive a really good story. And then maybe the boys can come back in the final episode in the final scene. That's a, (laughs) I love um, um, Lucas and Nathan, but I um,
3: yeah, they can stay home for a while. (laughs) I feel like the whole like limited series thing is something that the CW should invest in because we talked about how there's money in reboots, that money's in nostalgia. And As we move into this day and age of network TV struggling to bring in viewers, why not rely on your old properties? And I don't mean bring them back with new casts and new characters, because that will alienate people bring back the old ones, but for a limited time, test that theory, see how it works. Technically, one of their shows were revived in Gilmore Girls, but that was on Netflix and look how well that did. So I feel like those big old nostalgic properties of the, the, the late 90s and the early 2000s and the mid 2000s, even at this stage, the late 2000s, I feel like um, a limited series or a mini series best on one of those could bring back some eyeballs.
2: For sure. For sure. So, I mean, should we manifest it? Or should we just like have toss it up as an option?
1: Yeah. Like if it happens, I would, I would watch it, but if it doesn't happen, I'm fine with it living on this podcast episode. (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> okay. Um, okay. I-, I can't really speak to this one, um, but it is on our list. Popular.
1: Popular. Yes. Okay. So for those who don't know, which is probably most people in the world, <laughs> unless you're <have> of a <laughs> certain age, um, Popular was a show on the WB in, I want to say like 1998, 1999, somewhere around there. The The glory days of the WB. Mm-hmm. And it was created by Ryan Murphy. The, the, ryan murphy and popular was about um it was about the popular kids it was like freaks and geeks but like ryan murphy fied like the two main girls in the show one was like the outcast one was like the head cheerleader or whatever i don't know if that's actually what she was but and then they end up becoming stepsisters and it was like all about bridging that gap between the in crowd and It ended on a cliffhanger, two seasons. It wasn't enough. And like, I recently rewatched the series and you can just see the network notes. They're like, make it more dramatic. Make it like, like there's this weird storyline about one of the characters getting sick. And I was like, what's, what, this isn't popular. This is the WB being like, trying to make them into Dawson's Creek. (laughs) But anyway, I think that Ryan Murphy, before he even does Glee, should do, try again with popular because it was so irreverent and like borderline inappropriate. It wasn't borderline inappropriate. Like it was very inappropriate. And I think in today's world, we could, we could use a show like this. That's just like bare bones high school ma- having social commentary. I think it's a great time to revisit that.
2: It sounds interesting. Um, Cause I'm thinking like Glee without the music but also pump up, like, is it like a, a Glee and Grassy mix?
1: It was pretty much Glee before Glee existed. Like they had the football player jock that wanted to be in the school play. And they had like the mean popular girl that like has a heart of gold. I guess that's kind of Quinn. I don't know. Did Quinn have a heart of gold? <laughs>
2: no, she did not. She had moments. Mm -hmm. She had golden moments.
1: But there were a lot of like shades of Glee and popular. You can kind of see how like Ryan Murphy was like probably mad that he didn't get to continue doing popular. So when he did Glee, he was like Trojan horsing in that kind that story (laughs) (laughs) and putting it behind the facade of a high school musical to make that popular. Um, But yeah, it was like Glee mixed with Degrassi for better or worse. The characters were just so ridiculous and larger than life. My queen, Leslie Grossman, was in it. She played a character named Mary Cherry and it was <laughs> the most off-the-wall character ever. Actually, they should bring her back, is what I'm saying, because I like Leslie Grossman.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I remember when Glee was on, everyone said it's a shame that popular didn't come maybe a little bit later because it felt like maybe it just missed the boat or it was just, it was before its time and that wasn't kind of gotten as much then i know ryan murphy glee was kind of the show that made ryan murphy the ryan murphy that we know today but he had done a couple of shows beforehand and popular was always on those lists of cancelled before their time and whatnot and like it could have survived in a different time so it's interesting now that the glee era has come and gone it would be really nice to see how a show like popular would work in today's day and age agreed so we saw we
2: I can't do s's, so we <laughs> <Lisa> shall see. <laughs> um, uh, so one thing I really want—I um, don't think we've talked. We talked about it in um, the podcast where Michael was giving us the Batman history of of the WB and CW. I don't think I've talked about wanting a, a Birds of Prey reboot because I don't think that they got the what the time that they deserved because of. The way that it was styled um and it was giving that 90s feel when it really needed to be giving that 2000s feel but i would love to see an um a birds of prey reboot
3: yeah it's my my time to shine i feel like this (laughs) feels like such an obvious choice it's kind of ridiculous that it hasn't happened yet because Everyone's wanted to see a Birds of Prey TV series for so long, particularly because the first one wasn't handled very well by the network, and it deserved better than that. And literally, the minute Arrow started, it was dealing with some of these characters. So literally, if you want a Birds of Prey series to be successful, just make it an Arrow spinoff. There you go, you've got it. And like we've had, we had the Black Canary. We've got three Black Canaries now. We have the White Canary, although she's on Legends. We have all these great female heroes, Huntress, one of the ones that our people love from Arrow primed for a spin-off and yet they've consistently made the most bizarre choices for spin-offs over the years. I love all of them. I'm not criticizing that but I just feel like <laughs> it was so obvious and it does feel like the time's kind of passed now, but it would still really work and like, Green Arrow in the Canaries was basically what a Birds of Prey series could have been. Maybe if it was more hand in hand with what Birds of Prey was or with more of those comic book characters, it would have been more successful. But we'll never know because it never got the chance to get picked up. But either than that, aside from that, I feel like a Birds of Prey series either way, whether it's Arrowverse or not, could be a huge success. And I would love to see like a woman ensemble series superhero series set in like Gotham City or Star City or Bloodhaven one of those darker c- uh, cities and see what it could really look like because I feel like the early days of Arrow had some strong women in it and they weren't given that much justice by the writing so a series focused just on them with writing that would do them justice in today's day and age I would think would be fantastic I
2: think they'd put it in Bloodhaven because we haven't have we seen Bloodhaven yet in the universe
3: um, I don't think so it's been referenced once or twice but I don't think we've seen it Okay, it's well,
2: Bloodhaven, a city.
3: <laughs> Nightwing operettes out of there.
2: <laughs> Sorry, they did not give you anything.
1: <laughs> it's just blood haven. It's like two words that, don't, uh, it's like an oxymoron to me. <laughs> <laughs> That's
3: probably the point, no one did say.
2: Yeah, true. I think out of anything, yeah, Birds of Prey should have a reboot. Um, just do it. We have so much superhero television as it is. Some of these shows are going to go off air anyway. If you want to prolong DC TV on the CW, do Birds of Prey. It could be fun. I think it'd be really fun.
3: Agreed. It was the one that got away. So bring it back. Make it happen.
2: Yes, yes. And you also have another make it happen,
3: Michael, right? Ghost Whisperer. I do. And even saying it out loud, I feel a bit strange because I'm not sure what kind of a reboot I would want in Ghost Whisperer. It was such a hit when it was on um, the Jennifer Love Hewitt-led series. I believe ran from 2005 to 2010, and it was a major hit for CBS. And it was during the time, the whole supernatural... Drama with a bit of heart led by a woman was really taken off, but I'm not sure any of them really took off in the way that Ghosts Were did. If you look at the ratings, it was insanely popular. And I'm pretty sure the critics were mean to it the whole way throughout its run, but people were tuning in and people loved it. And it went, I believe it started with like double digit figures or at least like the nine millions. And it stayed where well, it, it did well for three seasons. And then in season four, they decided to pull a twist and the ratings went up to like 11 million or 12 million. And then just because it fell to its typical five or six, seven million slot in season five, CBS saw time to pull the plug, which is disgraceful because it, it, it was it performed incredibly well on the Friday Night Death slot. It was the number one watch show for all five years that it was on. Why would you why would you pull that? Um, so I feel like a, a reboot in today's day and age Could probably work Because it's it's lived in infamy As one of the shows that should never have got cancelled But if we did it I would like to see more of Like a limited series thing with Jennifer Love Hewitt Coming back and then wrapping up that story Because I don't think I think she was part of the reason why it worked A lot of people were like oh she can only do comedy And then she did drama beautifully She's one of the most underrated actors on TV And deserves Deserves her flowers, as you all like to say. I know Reed is signaling yeah. to me, so I'm gonna give him the preach, floor. <laughs> preach, no, I'm like, keep going. I
1: <laughs> here's the thing. Jennifer Love Hewitt has been underestimated probably her entire career, and it's it's false. Anything you hear about her that's negative is like jealousy. I'm sure of it. Because she's an icon, she's a legend, and she is the moment. She is quietly giving the best performance of her career on 911. And no one talks about it, but perhaps me on Twitter. Now that I jumped off that soapbox, I think because CBS owns the rights to the, to ghost whisper, like that's their IP. And Mm -hmm. we know that CBS is half of CW. We don't know for how much longer, I guess, (laughs) (laughs) but like they did charm. So I don't know why they wouldn't do ghost whisper because ghost whisper, just like Charmed, is still, you can catch it probably at least twice a week in reruns on any cable channel and it's still really beloved, and I know um, Jennifer Love Hewitt was really disappointed when it got canceled because she, she was a producer on that show, at least for the final season, and she loved it. And I think she would definitely come back whenever she's done with nine one one. But I could also see them doing a reboot, just like Charmed, with like new characters, perhaps a new generation, perhaps her child from the show. I mean, I don't know what happens to her, her baby. I don't know if he has her power, her powers or anything, but it could be an interesting in and then she comes in later and she gets to have her moment to shine and wrap up her story. I don't know. I think it's a, it's something that I'm surprised they haven't tried yet.
3: Mm-hmm. i feel like it's inevitable at some point and tying it to the try tying a fresh reboot to the original show might be a good way of making it work because it would be like that legacy series that carries on its own story because uh ghost whisperer did leave some unanswered threads and i'm not sure even if the show had gone on for 15 years if it would ever have come back to them it kind of did the whole like that season's over with now we'll not deal with that anymore but like it worked because people were tuning in to see the lighthearted heart a warm heart heartwarming stories um And I do feel like the era of the supernatural dramas led by the one person with the gift has kind of come and gone. So if you're going to make one work, maybe it would be good to reboot an old one and see how it does. I still think it will live on forever as one of the most stupid cancellations in TV history because CBS tried desperately to replace it with similar types of dramas and none of them worked. So I think Ghost of Spur would definitely, it's primed for some kind of reboot or revival or something. I personally would like a revival because like give Jennifer Love Hewitt what she deserves, but like, I still feel like the concept's crying out for some kind of a uh, resurrection in some form. So it should happen at some point. And I know we've
1: talked about CW getting into the procedural game cause they don't really do that. So I think it would be a really good option if they wanted to try a procedural that also had like a season long mystery.
3: It's mm-hmm. right there. They're leaving money on the table. It has to be done. Like it, 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 feel, it feels it feels like it could match some of the stuff on the CW, like the superhero shows in the first season. That's the oddest comparison, but in the first season, have the procedural nature, but there's still an overall arc of a big bad and Ghost Whisper mirrored that from time to time. So it, it feels like if the CW was ever going to do procedural, that would be a really obvious choice to do. Again, it's just so obvious. Do it. Yes. <laughs>
2: I want it for you guys. I am here getting educated about Ghost Whisperer. I don't need to get educated about Miss Jennifer Love Hewitt because she is an icon, as you mentioned, Reed. But that sounds interesting. I think I would want a revival based on the information that you guys gave. I think that Miss Jennifer should get her show back Um, and, you know, tie up, I guess, tie up the loose ends that were left and some of the questions that they decided they weren't going to tie up from season to season because that... Took me out of the talk for a second because I was like, well, wait, <laughs> <it."> <laughs> I'm not a viewer who who handles that well. I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> I need <laughs> you, you asked the question at the beginning of the season. I need you to answer that question at the end, but that's just me personally. Um, so yes, post Whistler, on W, make it happen.
3: Do that.
2: Things that they also need to make happen and read, this is your moment. Yeah. Tell us about the Colby's. A Colby spinoff for Dynasty.
1: So in my dream world, the CW would spin off Dynasty, just as the original Dynasty was spun off about the Colbys. Now there's a really good opening in the current Dynasty for a spinoff because they have Monica Colby, who is Jeff's sister, and they haven't really known what to do with Monica throughout the whole series of Dynasty she kind of pops in when she's necessary as Fallon's friend or her enemy or she's feuding with Dominique. But they keep her off camera so often and they haven't upped her to a series regular that I'm just kind of like, she's a great character. She's a great actress. Wakeema Hollis plays her. I think they should have tried to reboot or not reboot, spin off the Colbys for Monica. I know that would be a little bit they wouldn't have to do a direct like spinoff just like the original Colby's, but like Monica deserves her moment. She deserves a spinoff. Like, I I don't know. It just stresses me out. And I don't think this is ever going (laughs) to (laughs) happen because dynasty is the lowest rated show on the network. I don't think they're in a rush to franchise it, but the opening is right there. And I would love to see what Monica's up to when she's not in Atlanta.
2: But what if they had a spinoff, like after, I mean, not to put this into the universe, let's say years from now, um, when Dynasty does, you know, have their series finale. And then we do the Colby's to extend that universe rather than trying to have them both live at the same time since Dynasty's struggling with viewers.
1: Yeah, I could see that. I could see them bringing Monica back for a spinoff that also includes Jeff and Dominique, who are both series regulars on Dynasty. That could be an interesting thing to pursue i mean we can put it out in the universe but i I just don't see it happening unfortunately as much as i want it and they should do it because they're great characters and i don't know guys to be fully honest with our listeners i saw a dumas um (laughs) blind (laughs) item about dynasty and i'm like shaken on all things dynasty right now but i can remain hopeful we'll put the spinoff into the universe
2: (laughs) yeah i mean we should put that the spinoff into the universe and since this is an honesty pod since we were being real honest like about what our feelings on things i don't think the demois post is legit it i mean no shade to that person but (laughs) (laughs) But i just don't the last sentence talks about how the other shows were renewed and this show wasn't and i was like that's not really an indicator I don't think anyone expected dynasty to be in the first round of renewals just where that they are
1: to that point it did feel like a pointed attack on me so if I have an enemy out there who put that tip in <laughs> you will be dealt with <laughs> <laughs> swiftly. <laughs>
2: Um, speaking of, uh, spinoffs that aren't likely to happen, which I mean, this one is the one that like sticks in my craw because it's right there. And I'm talking about Pussycats, um, which, they even gave us the the like the logo at, in was it Riverdale season five when they finally brought Josie back and they fixed what they broke with Josie and the Pussycast, which, by the way, I'm a Riverdale fan who will never forgive and never forgive forget that because how do you break up that iconic band? I mean, one of, they were one of the reasons why I was watching this show. Um, I mean, I was always going to watch because it's Archie Comics stuff. I love Archie Comics. But, like, the Josie, the Josie and Pussycats are there. They're black. We're like, we're all female band. Yes. Like I'm always going to be there for them. And then they set up um, in that episode, uh, what could be, if you thought about it, a backdoor pilot, because they were already going to go on the road for tour. And we were going to go to New Orleans. And it seemed like something wasn't quite white, right? In the big easy. So I'm like, just spin it s- off.
1: They set up a full spinoff and they were like, well, there's your taste
3: you're not getting it (laughs) (laughs)
2: which is
3: rude (laughs) this concept to me feels very much like the arrow versus birds of prey and that it's literally been sitting there for so long why don't you do something with it and then it feels like they finally did the whole like backdoor pilot thing that they did with green arrow and the canaries only they never even went bothered to go all in on it it's like okay fine we'll do the episode because you're asking for it but don't expect a spin-off and like, well, then why leave us with those teasers if you've never any point in following up on it? Now, I'm not saying they won't follow up on it in the future, who knows what the future holds for Riverdale at this point. But it just feels regardless of whatever eerie spins or whatever unusual thing, st- directions you're going to take the story in, a drama focused on those singers, on the Josie and the Pussycat that we've been waiting on for so long, regardless of what tone it is, feels like it should have happened by now, it feels like it could bring an eyeball, feels like. If it's a rom-com, if it's a dramedy, if it's obviously a musical uh, drama, whatever tone they decide to go for, it doesn't need to be supernatural. We saw like Kitty Keane's presentation was really, really nice and different. So it bugs me that it's been going for so long. They didn't do it. They teased us with it and they're still not going to do it. Like, guys, it's right there.
2: it's right in front of us they should do it i want them to do it the only thing is ashley murray is going to be on tom swift which does premiere may 31st just so y'all know that is the um nancy spin spinoff and i don't want to wish that show ill just to get a pussycats spinoff um so if they they afford to ever do it and tom swift is successful that means Ashley Murray's not gonna be Josie. Like I don't I doubt she would hop. Well, I guess she would hop since that would be her show, she'd be the lead of it. But um I just feel like she wouldn't do that. So then we'd get a new Josie. And I don't know how I'd feel about that change.
1: Yeah, not to be pessimistic, but I don't think Ashley Murray would do it anyway. She mm-hmm. already was on a spinoff as Josie. And I feel like I feel like that whole cast was a little bit stung for Katie Keene. So she was like, "I'll come back for an episode. You can set up the spinoff, but <laughs> fool me once, shame on you." I don't want to put words in her mouth, but that's how I would feel. I feel like good point, though. I'll come back for an episode, but I'm not going to go through this again.
2: <laughs> that's fair. And I, I forgot about that. Even though we were talking about Katie Keene, she got burnt. She got burnt at Riverdale, and she got burnt in Katie Keene. And they fixed it in Riverdale, but that doesn't mean that the they could film a whole pilot and then not pick up Pussycats so you know what perhaps we don't put that one into the universe even though the Josie and the Pussycats deserves it it might just be better to let everybody move on
1: I could see someone ending up making a remake of the movie Josie and the Pussycats mm-hmm. from the Fine. 2000s mm-hmm. I could see that happening I could also I don't know anything's possible with Roberto so <laughs> you never know what he's going to do <laughs> just wait and say
2: moving on well I we're not moving on from spinoffs because Read. I want to hear what you have to say about All-American Homecoming.
1: Are you guys ready for the CW Spirals cliffhanger to be resolved? Yes. <laughs> Long story short, All-American Homecoming passed the four-episode test. When I was catching up, episode three, I was kind of like, I don't know. And then episode four and five, just perfection. Everything that I kind of like was on the fence about in the premiere i it was just kind of like integrated much better like the way they're growing and another thing that i really like about it beyond the characters and the stories is that they're doing the college drama tropes that i love like parents weekend the blackout the preview for the next episode is like a documentary it's like my felicity dreams are coming true but in like the reboot kind of way that it should Mm -hmm. happen like i prefer these characters to seeing you know, like another whiny white girl <laughs> talking <laughs> to her French tutor via tape recorder. I don't know. I just think it's a really, um, positive step forward for the network to have this kind of show. Like I'm watching it. And I'm like, this show is like really important in the stories that it tells and the way they present their characters. I don't know. I, I love it. I'm so glad that I caught up and I will be watching every week from now on.
2: Oh my God, the Shining <laughs> endorsement. Like, I'm so excited um, because All American Homecoming is great and people more people should be tuning into it. Um, speaking about the Blackout episode, I just love that it was a bottle episode that gave you so much character developments in moments. Um, I will say JR's reaction to his parents' divorce was a lot um considering um he was not in that space when we ended the episode obviously he was upset but he was not um in the previous episode but he was not in a destructive space um and seeing that in the episode um compared to everything else it wasn't my favorite but i was trying to understand it i love that simone finally told her friends that she has a son Mm -hmm. and then she had the conversation with damon um about her son and he was so understanding which is good i know that for him it would be a little emotional because he is a um someone who was adopted and so he has feelings about um parents who choose to give their their children up uh but he comes from a great home i mean his mom was a momager um but she's not anymore so she gets to celebrate her son without worrying about um deals or photo ops or partnerships so i think that's really nice Um, one mom that seems to be doing the most though is Simone's Miss Tina.
1: Yeah. yeah. I'm fully team aunt Simone's mom. loved her to pieces, I guess, but <laughs> <laughs> come on, let's get on the same page here.
2: <laughs> I wish she would because she like that, that moment where she explained did you understand why she is the way she is. Cause she revealed that she passed on. Um, she left school, I believe. Um, so that her, her sister could continue through because when their father died. And I was like, oh, I was like that's actually rather sad. That doesn't give you the right to do the things that you've done. But I do understand uh, your point of view more. Uh, but it is one of those things where if you're going to do something for somebody, you have to be okay with doing that thing, especially if it's you step back from the thing that you wanted so that they, their life could flourish. You can't then resent them, especially if you didn't tell them. Like how, like she didn't know that you sacrificed. Amara didn't know that you sacrificed for her as her older sister. So why did you ruin her chance with, I don't know if the coach is the love of her life, but he is the love of love of that time period. And now like you messed it up for her and she won't, she, I guess she won't know unless they try again, which she's scared to do whether or not he is it for her. Coach Turner I'm talking about. Mm -hmm.
1: And another thing that I really like about the show is the way they execute, like, a slow burn like flirtation like kind of like the ships in the night thing with Simone and Damon mm-hmm. it's really powerful anytime they have a scene together it's like oh you just feel <laughs> the chemistry and you're like what's gonna happen there's just so much that goes unsaid between them I think and ugh, am, am I did I just become a shipper of that ship yes I think I just convinced myself
2: (laughs) and you should it's the looks it's the looks it's the communication it's the way that he grabs her hand when they're talking about something important um and he's like his like the thumb is rubbing her hand I said look at you Damon go soothe her assure her of the things that um like that are bothering her that's why I'm always like I do I really like Jordan and Simone when they are an all-American but I'm so sorry Jordan it feels like your time is over and that's okay because you know that happens
1: I think it'll take a while to maybe get to that point, which I think is a really good decision. Like when you get two characters together really quickly, it kind of like, it can um, belittle the story. And you're kind of like, okay, they're together now. We don't want to see them fight. I don't know. It gets kind of boring. So that slow burn, the will there, won't they? I think they're doing it really well.
2: For sure. For sure. And then I like on the other side of that, Cam and Keisha, um, because they flip the thing. So she's the one who's having a hard time emotionally, even though she's clearly into him, rather than it being Cam. Cam has his whole heart on a plow and just really wants to give it to her. And just like, I don't want to get hurt. Take that heart. <laughs> like, take it back. I don't want it. Um, so I yeah. like them a lot. Yeah, I like everything.
1: Yeah, it's a really, it's really good. I think more people should check it out. Even if you don't watch All American, I think you can still hop in.
2: For sure. And again, it's Mondays at 9 p.m.
1: <laughs>
2: Eastern Standard Time. I can't break down the time clock for y'all. So like, but Google that part. But it's it's 9 p.m. ET. So um, now on to our superhero shows. Not that, you know, Simone Hicks isn't her own superhero because she is, love her. Um, but Superman and Lois. Can I just say those first three minutes? I was teary as I was live tweeting. Like, it, it was rough for me. <laughs>
3: it opened with a bang didn't it Mm -hmm. and usually when things like that happen you're like how does the episode follow that up and of course the intensity wasn't exactly there throughout the episode but they followed up with again the thing I love the most about the show family drama it really set the stage for a really a powerful episode and between that opening scene and everything that followed I think that was one, Not just one of the best episodes of the season But one of the best episodes of the series Because it was some real natural Authentic drama I know There is differing opinions about the time jump And we'll get to that but in general I thought everything that was executed was executed Really really well
2: I loved every Moment of the episode I feel like So Superman and Lois Always manages to top itself and you just feel Like mm-hmm. how are they going to top themselves mm-hmm. um, This time and <clears throat> Um, the opening of the episode, like we were back at the portal, right? Um, and it's like, well, what more can we do? Is he kind of float up to the to the portal and get sucked into the bizarre world? And I'm like, no, he's going to create a tornado first and then <laughs> launch himself like into the portal and then have fun with the drama in Smallville. You will not see Clark until the end of the episode.
3: <laughs> it went all in on the whole like aftermath. And OK, I'll say it now, the, the only issue I have with the aftermath is that last week's cliffhanger with Lucy Lane was not dealt with at all. And I know the time jump gave it reason, but literally she wasn't mentioned. And I was like, so where is Lucy? Why is Lucy? Why was Lucy not the one who let Ali Alston out of uh, the DO day? Um, why? I, I know the obvious reason for that is that Jenna wasn't in the episode. But I mean, like we need slightly need, need a slightly more than that, because from a family perspective, we needed to know how they all felt about this betrayal. But she just wasn't talked about. But I mean, I can let that go because the episode itself was so damn good. The uh the Lois struggling to be the mother to these two uh, boys who thought they were ad- adults. Great. The Lana stuff always, is always as perfect. Can I just say I would do anything for Lana Lana? I really <laughs> would. That that woman is an icon. That's and, my mama. It was- <laughs> <laughs> the uh I, was in, I think I'm pretty sure it was the ninth episode last season that everyone's like, oh, here's Lana's moment when uh, she agreed to let uh, Clark's mother overtake her body. And now we had the, Lana's big moment in the ninth episode this season too. And I was just like, in the end episode nine, Lana every season because like she just shines. And I, I, the uh, Kent family drama was beautiful, but uh, it's just something about my heart belongs to Lana's stuff. And that's, that story was just brilliant. And oh, I'm so excited for where her story's going next. Can we talk about Sarah real quick? Mm-hmm. yes
1: like
2: what she the leap yeah. right I, I, like... <laughs> the emotional leap
1: <laughs> girl take a breath chill out
2: <laughs> i don't want to like tell her not
1: to feel a certain way about her boyfriend not communicating with her but like it. Was, you're right it was like a really big leap from like you're not here for me to like i'm gonna move in with my dad it was like really like Darring for me <laughs>
2: yeah emotionally I wasn't I wasn't there with her this episode and I think it is because in previous ones it was clear that she'd already been pulling away from Jordan herself mm-hmm. um and then like she had that whole moment where she was like Jordan doesn't understand and therefore we were gonna she was gonna connect more with Aubrey because her parents are getting her parents are divorced and um Sarah's going through um her parents' estrangement and, and most likely divorce um we'll see by the end of the season but I was like, okay, but now that your mom is like in this big race, and I guess we're at a point where you feel like Jordan could understand, now you're upset that he's not around. And granted, Jordan could have done better, but there was also no communication from her to him about feeling like he wasn't there for her in the way that she needed. I was like, but you said you he didn't get it, girl. Last episode, you said he wasn't, he didn't understand. And now this episode, which granted a month has gone by, now this episode, he gets broken up with because he was not there for you, even though he doesn't understand how, what you're going through. And I felt bad because his dad is missing and he can't even say it.
1: Yeah. He was like trying to sort of explain it, but she was already like, no, I'm done. I like, but it, like he has stuff going on, too.
2: <laughs> yeah, oh, She could have asked him if it was classified considering who his his parents are um and who mm. his grandfather is like she couldn't because like, he said I can't really tell you and she thought like he was just and he is hiding things from her but like girl he could not be able to tell you because it's classified and he only has privileged information because of his family
1: yeah it's uh, need to know
3: basis
2: <laughs> yes and you don't need to know <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah I didn't appreciate that kind of like it's not even. You would say it's a swerve, but it wasn't that much of a swerve because we always said how Superman always kind of subverts your expectations, and unfortunately, I kind of seen this one coming. It kind of hit all the tropes here, and I feel like it. It's just it relied on those tropes to do the work because. At the end of the day, I get I get why she felt that, but I didn't see all of that on screen because even from the three of us who usually see Sarah's perspective over Jordan's, I, I, I was like, we couldn't really, I couldn't really side with her on this because the distance has been between the two of them since she returned from the camp and it was on her side. And then I seen a lot of dialogue online about how people said she was the one who, cheated on him by kissing Aubrey and then allowed that distance to remain and then wanted him to be besties with her as well and it's like how many hoops do you want him to jump through here and I get that he could have jumped through some of them maybe not all of them but I feel like she wanted a lot from him and expected a lot from him and like you said didn't stop to think what's going on in his life and I feel like that let the relationship down because we were kind of invested in season one because the two of them felt like these odd ones out in their own family and they both got each other so it's quite as I know conflict has to come from somewhere but it's quite disappointing that they created this kind of conflict and that she can't see him the way she used to anymore when she's partially responsible for the distance to begin with
1: I don't know. Like, what does she think he was doing? Like, the boy doesn't have any friends besides her and his brother. Like, what does he? What do you think he's up to? He's not cheating on you. Yeah.
2: No, I think so. If I were to be fair, writing wise, and perhaps they will um, make this more apparent if this is a decision that they're making, is that Sarah doesn't realize that she's a lot like her father. Kyle needs a lot, Um, and he doesn't actually always reciprocate a lot. It's something that he admitted to. Sarah needs a lot. (laughs) Um, and, and she, um, and she is very strong and she is very about sticking up for herself and being there for her family. Um, and she's like, what are they, 15 or 16? So I get sort of the emotional upheaval, but like Kyle, she doesn't often like look beyond herself when it comes to her needs. That's what she goes to go get. So like then you have Kyle reassuring her about how like, um, jordan's an idiot if he can't be there for you and it's like but she's not even asking jordan like what's going on with him she knows that they both have emotional issues he could be having a downward spiral himself and is just not saying anything to her but it's not something that she latched onto. but you know she's living with her father perhaps the more time she spends with kyle one-on-one she'll realize that she has also picked up some of his bad habits
1: i doubt it but i like
3: i like that (laughs) possibility (laughs) it's nice to see the two of them grow because i do feel like that uh uh, sarah and kyle because i do feel like they have one of the more intriguing relationships on the show and there's so much conflict there you don't always get to see the good moments that when you do they shine but i do feel like that could lead to a lot of bad habits like kyle telling sarah that she deserves so much better than jordan if he's going to keep neglecting her and i'm like but like you don't know that she's been technically neglecting him as well. Of course, there's two sides of every story, and I hope we get to see Jordan's more, or she gets to see Jordan's more as the season goes on. But I know realize I've gone on about this a bit, a bit. But like it's not that big of a gripe yet. But I feel like it could become a bigger issue as it goes on if they don't deal with it properly. Because it's like that whole thing we've talked about before, and like where characters could literally solve a problem by telling someone the whole story, and yet they consistently refuse to. But in general I feel like that was a good place to leave The show because I know we're right about to go on another Three four week hiatus which nobody Needs right now but like the cliffhangers Will keep us holding on until the next one
2: That is true We are going to the Pizarro world I'm so excited when um, I guess Pizarro Jonathan showed up as a like hey dude Like, <laughs> like, like I didn't see that coming
1: Did, you Where is Real Jonathan Is that a dumb question
2: no, it's not because it's actually. So when he and Candace separated on, um, on the street, which by the way, Bitsy's delivery when uh, Lois Lane says Candace's name when that girl shows up in her house, perfection, perfection. <laughs> but, but anyway, um, they separate. She said she's only a block from her house. I assume she was the, the one to be the one who got snatched because that's always what happens. Mm-hmm. I think. It's Jonathan. I don't know where Bizarro him would have stashed him, especially because he got a headache. And I I didn't, I thought his powers were coming in. And it's like, no, no, Bizarro you is here.
3: Yeah, because didn't Clark get the headaches when Bizarro him was there? So it figures, but I, it's been so long and they've handled it so well. I did. I never once thought, oh, hold on a minute. This is what's happening. I did figure when the set photos came out a few weeks ago of uh, Superboy Jonathan that it was a different Jonathan because he appeared on set with Tyler who had the ripped cap. So I was like, okay, is that Bizarro Superman? Is Superman in Bizarro's world? So I figured that that was going to be Bizarro Jonathan, but I never once expected him to show up on Earth Prime. I I didn't expect to see that at all. So that was a good place to leave things, Um, particularly now that Superman's not there. And I know next week, I think, or the next episode in three weeks, four weeks time, (laughs) Mm -hmm. we're going to learn the other side of the story of what Clark has been up to all this time in the Bizarro world. But it's just in general, I'm really, really looking forward to seeing what comes next, because you thought when Bizarro died, the season kind of stayed in the same place for some time. So now that we're going back into those versions of the characters and we put Ali Austin on the back burner for a little while, we can deal with some of the more like supernatural stuff. I'm really excited to see what kind of role uh, Bizarro Jonathan plays on Earth Prime
2: same I what I love about the take for the bizarre world is because, like, we stepped right out of Hot Topic. I don't know why they all look <laughs> like that, but they do, and I'm living for it. Um, and I'm also interested to see why Bizarre's face is messed up because when you see the promo, he looks exactly like Clark. Mm. Um, and but like, as the promo goes on, he starts to change into the bizarre where he's just seeing, I'm like, what did Ali do, or is that not Ali? Something happened when he ended up coming. Um, uh, figuring out what's happening in, in his own world. Not to mention, um, I'm really excited to see that Lana, Bizarro Lana since we met her, um, but she was fighting Clark. so I'm um, gonna see what uh, she has in store for us
3: going to be so interesting seeing things on the other side of the reflection and um, bizarro world is so intriguing to me and we've only seen like bits and pieces of it from time to time so i'm really looking forward to like really like doing the whole dive and seeing what every alternate version of the characters look like so
2: excited
3: but here's the real question what did you guys think of the flash this week <laughs> 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 my temperature was a bit closer to the hotness this week <laughs> 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 in general uh much better episode than last mm-hmm. week. I think we can agree on that. And I'm really surprised because of the reasons we've talked about. How not a fan of the newer characters because of the way they're portrayed. But uh, this week's one was about the fire meta that framed the hotness. Um, they were uh, searching for them, and it turns out that we don't know if it's a meta yet. It's actually some kind of grief monster that feeds off people's grief. Um, and the more it feeds off, the bigger the fire gets. And it's like black fire, supernatural fire. So like Killer Frost can't put it out with her ice powers. The flash running around it can't put it out either because it won't die in a vacuum. Um, So it's really interesting that Chester was chosen as the heart of that episode because it finally gave him a serious story. He was grieving the loss of his father who died years ago and he never really got over that. So they focused on his emotional grief and the monster was feeding off him halfway through the episode Chester was convinced that he was being haunted by a ghost of the ghost of his father who wanted him to die in a similar fashion to the way he did I was like that's a bit of a reach how yeah. did we get there um because Chester's so lighthearted, and he likes to look at things from a scientific standpoint and I was like where did ghosts come into this they did the work afterwards but it didn't change the fact that we had a, it was a bit of a reach to get from A to bay that aside the drama in the episode was strong the uh and the fact they continued to build his relationship with Allegra, who again I also have issues with because she's dealt and such dealt with in such a lighthearted, corny, kind of cheery way. And I'm like, why should we care about you? This week we finally saw why, because the two of them had a really serious moment. And I was like, okay, I could ship them if they're going to continue doing this. That was much better. It's 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 a bit of a weird episode. It's not per- like everything we've seen so far in Modern Day Flash, it's not perfect, but overall. The drama was strong. The character moments were strong. The performances were excellent. And I have to say, I really felt the stakes. They kind of went bottled, uh, like for a bottle episode kind of thing, where they were all trapped in Star Labs with the fire monster or the grief monster. I don't know what we're calling that. But either way, they couldn't beat it. The stakes kept, higher, kept, kept getting higher as it went on. And it was up to Chester to have his emotional realization of that's not my father. Go to hell in order to defeat the monster. And it worked in the end. I really, really enjoyed that episode and I had far less issues with it than any of the recent ones since it's come back. So that for me was a major victory for The Flash and I'm really intrigued by this, like kind of whatever this demon thing is, it sounds like a great villain. I don't know if it's going to be an alternate version of the comic book villain, if I, a comic book villain, I don't know. But either way, I'm completely invested in the story and considering we're off the back of three filler episodes, it's quite, it's quite impressive they managed to do that so quickly. So yes, all in all for me, That was a victory. And I know that means there's no giggles this week, but in general, (laughs) there's plenty of smiles. So that for me was a solid episode. This grief monster sounds like something from Buffy. (laughs) It does. It really does. I liked that They went for the whole like uh, terrorizing route as well. The flash usually goes like, oh, we're on Team Flash, we're stopping bad guys. But they actually went for like the horror element this week. And I feel like if they go with that, that could kind of separate it because the Flash has got a really corny, cheesy rap- representation in recent, recent years. Yeah, years. Mm-hmm. So to have something darker, to have something more terrifying and to add real stakes to the story, this could potentially take it in the right direction. So fingers crossed.
2: I, well, you know, you and I, Michael, are like, we're there for it was a, um, a good episode Compared to the other, um, the ones that came previously, mm-hmm. with exception to the midseason premiere, because I think mm-hmm. that is the, that the best one that they've done so far. Um however, I will say I enjoyed this one much more than I did um the Fire Next Time and Lockdown. It does seem like the further we're getting into this part of the season, the the more sure of the story that they're telling. You can tell that we're starting to lay the groundwork for the um for the overall story of, of season eight, um, and you like when we opened with Iris as a finally time sickness stuff. Um, Dion shows up. He, um, he tells her that he, she has mutations, which is like, and then just pops away to say he's going to go talk to <laughs> his Speed Force siblings as if like like don't worry, Mama, Mama, I'm gonna check it out. It'll be fine. And like she's like, well, what am I supposed to do? Well, I wait he says, I can't tell Barry. But anyway, um, I did like that Sue Dearborn um came back. Um, and that we got to go with Iris to Coast City. Um, And actually like get to go to Coast City because that was a a fear some fans had. It was like, okay, you're telling us that Iris is going to Coast City, but we are spending like 10 minutes on it. And then we're not even really gonna see her do that. But we actually got to see investigative reporter Iris. And I was very happy about that. And I was happy that she also got to have a conversation with Sue about her fears. Because one of the things that they tend to do with Iris is that she's a bottler. Like, she does not talk about the things that she um, is going through her emotions until she absolutely has to. And Sue kept pushing and pushing and pushing until finally um, Iris opened up about feeling like, you know, because she's losing time, time feels limited. And she doesn't want to just be waiting in the wings for everybody to save her. So this is something that she can do. She can go talk to this young ghost meta named Tanya, who, um, who also has some issues of her own. And so she's looking for her her um, mother. I loved the when they finally revealed what Tanya's issue was. Not that like she needed to be sitting and having a conversation with Iris and Sue, two random women who show up on her side of, of um, their version of the United States because she has powers and um, they feel like they can help her. Like, she didn't say she wanted to be a superhero. Perhaps we should leave that little girl be. Um, but the way that they pushed and they got her to open up to them and talk about the fact that she had been in the system and she and her mom had given her up and she was hoping that if her mom found out that she had power, she could see that she's worth something. And I was like, don't hurt my heart like that. I cannot do that. Not the baby being upset because um, her mom didn't give her the love and support that she needed. And she feels like, because I'm special now, she'll think I'm special. Obviously, Tanya's story is going to be that she'll have to realize that she doesn't need to be special or for her mom to care. Like either she cares or she doesn't. And if she cares because she's a meta human, then that's a trash mom. <laughs> like, like it should not be, oh, you have powers. And then um, so therefore I care now when I didn't care before. That just sounds like someone who's going to be a mooch on her daughter. And I don't want that, Virginia. I know we just got her, but I'm ready to protect her. Um what else happened? Um, I the Star Labs ghost stuff was fine for me. Um, it wasn't the ghost part wasn't the best for me. It was the um it was Brandon Knight's acting as Chester mm-hmm. in the emotional arc of, of of the episode surrounding him. We had just come off an episode with Barry being emotional about his father and his father's birthday. And I felt like um, they did it better this episode with Chester, perhaps because there was just more room for them to talk about it rather than getting lost in the villain of the week. I did like his scenes with Chester, with Allegra. Um, and... It got me not endeared to them, but I started to understand their relationship more, how much they lean on one another. I felt like Danielle Panabaker was giving busy busy work this episode. She was kind of just there as Frost, um, <laughs> which you know happens. Um, but yes, yeah, she was kind of just she was just there to give a quip, to say something sarcastic, and then go with her powers and realize that it doesn't work. I um, thought you called it busy work. <laughs> <laughs>
1: like here's your worksheet sit down and do it
2: (laughs) (laughs) it just it did it felt like that and i um i thought that no i'm not frost isn't my favorite character we know this and neither is caitlin but i just feel like if she's gonna be in the episode i felt like she should have been utilized more um Mm -hmm. and you know i will say this point i did not care for the handhold between frost and barry i don't know what we're doing because we just did um what was it it was lockdown where Barry was thinking about leveling up but he thought about caitlin and i'm like what 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 are
3: you doing <laughs> i think i was just unfortunate timing because like, i think the show has gone so far in the whole like treating caitlin and killer frost as two separate people now it would be very ridiculous to like Ever suggest there's anyone for Barry outside of Iris. I don't think we should go there, particularly again, because they're two separate people who just happen to look alike. We don't want, definitely don't want to go down that road. That's messy. But, in, and I agree with you totally. <laughs> again, I like seeing Killer Frost on screen when they give her something to do. And you see, if you cut those moments out of context where she just goes like out there and gives the ice, I'm like, badass. And then you see what surrounds it and you're like, <laughs> Give the woman something to do. The last three or four episodes, she's kind of been standing thinking, where do I go? What do I do? How am I going to get out of this? Oh, that didn't work. Yikes. How do we get out of that? Um, There's more to that character than what they're giving. So give it. Believe believe me, if we did that Birds of Prey spin-off, I would happily add her to it because Mm -hmm. the Flash is not giving her what she needs. Um, I agree. I, I love seeing her in the action, but they're not giving her anything else outside of it. And... That's continuing to hurt the character. Same goes with Caitlin, because all she does is pop up to say a medical quip and then pop off. I can't believe she's off and where is it? she's supposed to be with Mark or Marcus having the best time living it up. And that's just because you don't want Danielle Panabaker on screen playing both characters. But like they should never have separated them in the first place if that was going to be an issue. Yeah, very
2: true.
3: No more
1: busy work for Danielle (laughs) Panabaker. Well, I think
2: they're trying to make her, her, Barry's partner um, and the way that Joe was Um, and it's 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 not successful like let's stop doing that
3: (laughs) (laughs) there's more to the character than that and they're not giving it and they're not they're not they've I feel like they've they've decided that she's such a veteran on the show that they're not going to continue giving a real solid character work so she's just going to do the whole quips and the, uh, the funny moments and the snarky humor and I'm like there's more to you than that so why aren't we seeing it And I just wish at this point now that the writing is really starting to improve as the show goes on, they would really hone in on that and make that a character we can all root for because I did in the past and I want to do it again. Now I know we're all watching Riverdale, but can I
1: suggest myself roasting a specific aspect of the latest Riverdale? Because the more that I think about it, the more that I like need to get it off my chest. Now intriguing Hiram's (laughs) funeral happened and although I did appreciate seeing Veronica's complicated perspective about it I didn't particularly appreciate Hiram getting a low-key hero at it. Mm-hmm. and I think that deserves a roast I know they were saying goodbye to Mark Consuelos and giving him a send-off but it felt a lot like yeah Hiram was bad but he loved his daughter and I was like I don't care I I don't care
2: that's what did fair. You guys
1: think? <laughs> That's fair.
2: It was odd. I really thought that when the stills came out for um, the episode, that she was going to have a moment up at the um at the pulpit. That's the right term? That's what I'm going to call it. Um, and she did have a moment, but it was a moment that like uplifted him. And I was like, I mean, that's fine. She's his daughter. But, like, it went on for so long. She's like, he's a complicated man.
1: The flashbacks, I felt like it was unnecessary. And it felt like they were... I can't separate Mark Consuelos from um, Hiram. I'm sorry. Like, give him a separate send-off. Like, I don't need to see flashbacks of Hiram just because you want to respect Mark Consuelos for leaving the show. (laughs) Like, I don't, like, happy for Mark, go do your thing. But, like, I don't need this hero
3: edit for Hiram like I don't need it <laughs> just no. it wasn't necessary yeah out of context it was a lovely moment and I can see why out of context you would do things like that to pay tribute to an actor who left the show or a character but like Hiram wasn't that hero or that villain they've been working on all season that had glimmers of hope well, and, and if they did they, that was a long time ago But it wasn't the hero that died or the villain that died sacrificing themselves as a hero. It wasn't the villain that like made strides to help other people who learned things, those villains that you love to root for. Hiram was a villain through and through, and he made every character on the show's life a living hell. So I don't understand why we needed to like buy out his story on such a like positive note when he did nothing but make people's lives miserable. What is there to pay tribute to here? Not
2: clear especially because the last thing we saw like so it'd be different if they had at the end of season five he and Veronica were in a better place he left a bomb on Archie's house and it went off
1: they were all (laughs) they forced him out of town they all were packing heat I don't know like (laughs) (laughs) like Betty Archie and Jughead were right to not attend that funeral and I know Veronica was like oh you're the only one that showed up she said that to Reggie and she was like I guess everyone else was busy and it's like no everyone else hated him and didn't really care (laughs) I don't know I mean I I like to see that growth in Veronica to where she can reconcile like that was my dad he tried to kill my friends and I constantly she dug really deep to find that love for her father and he said what he said in that recording to her which was like
2: a lot as well
1: I can't pay that any mind I pretend I did not hear it (laughs) (laughs) luckily Jughead didn't hear it too soon (laughs) (laughs)
2: A little too soon. But he might have heard her thoughts if he was around. That would have been actually him hearing what um, Veronica had to say about her dad in like in her mind a weird cat, but they being like, Did I turn the stove off? Um would have been <laughs> interesting.
3: <laughs> Joghead could be the one that finds out she had him killed after all. He he I tell you, he'll know the truth. Does so Fred, Barbara, do you
1: know
2: the truth?
3: Yes. Yes, okay. man. Mm-hmm.
1: They really, really didn't leave that hanging off a cliff for too long. I thought it was gonna be a big thing, but
2: that they're
3: not. not. They're not invested <laughs> in that relationship, so it doesn't need to be a big thing.
2: I felt so bad for him. She, he was like, "I love you," and she was like, "Thanks." So the, the <laughs>
1: <laughs> she was like, um, "Back to business." <laughs>
2: also, Hernando hello. Like, like clearly, bodyguard romance coming in hot <laughs> to Riverdale. We'll see.
3: You know, I don't mind it. No, no. Yeah, I, I ship that definitely. Um, because. One scene, and it feels like it had more investment from the writing team than uh, Veggie ever had. Sorry, I'm Grandma sorry. is Team Reggie, though. She mm. is.
2: But Grandma also do not know the facts of Iron's of, uh, <laughs> business. Yeah, so. you know,
1: yeah, <laughs> Veronica's like, He was a bad man. I wish he didn't do those things. And Grandma's just like, What are you talking about?
2: Oh,
1: <laughs> Abuelita. <laughs> yeah, it's just nod and smile. <laughs> <laughs> yes.
2: Okay, so like moving on to our toast. Um, I'm going to kick it off with Brandon Knight's performance on The Flash. Um, again, spectacular. Just truly ate all the material that he was given. <laughs> um, I was like, yes. <laughs> like, I've always liked Chester. I think they've leaned um, very heavily into the comedic aspects of his personality. But he also seems to be very vulnerable as a character. Uh, and so I appreciated the the moments that they gave him uh, in this. I think the episode is called Phantoms and Phantoms. Um, also, tiny little shout out. No, nope, actually, big shout out to Miss Candace Patton. Um, Iris wants to be a mogul now. Like uh, she's already a mogul, but coast to coast, West Coast expansion. I want to see more FCC media. I want to see more of Iris um, investigating things. I know we're going to do that next episode so i'm excited about that hopefully get another west allen scene fingers crossed because they were cute on the zoom call mm-hmm. um and other than that uh i guess i will applaud this episode of of the flash this might be because they gave us absolutely nothing for two episodes and then we got everything in this episode <laughs> so um okay, them
3: yeah, that was a good episode. I feel like they like tied up a lot of issues we had with it. It's, it's not perfect, but it, it's it's heading in the right direction. More screen time for Iris is always a good thing,
2: for sure. And then, all American Homecoming, Reed,
3: you already gave it a shine, <laughs> but like let's
2: let's like cheers let's again. It up again,
1: yeah, yes.
2: So good, so good. Tune into it, y'all. I mean, I don't have more to say than what we said in the um in our review of the past. That was it, five episodes. Um, but again, I do think. I mean, I wrote a whole article about it, charting a new path for the CW, and it definitely is. Also, it's the first sports drama on the CW that has like it's being led by a woman. Jeffrey Maya is doing it out here. I mean, yes, Damon Sims is also her co lead, but I'm just like Jeffrey, I love you. Um, so yes, 9 p.m mondays after all american
1: also streaming on cw watch it there give them some yes. streaming numbers
2: exactly cwtv.com yeah,
1: get it in CW there cw app
2: <laughs> <Log out. laughs> okay uh that is it for us uh today i messing up my ending right now i'm probably gonna keep this part <laughs> in the <day. laughs> we will see you next monday i'm sabrina
3: i'm michael And I'm Reid.
2: Follow us on Twitter and YouTube, y'all. Bye.
3: Bye.